Amen, amen. Well, what's up, Everlast? Hi, how are we doing tonight? Yes, I'm in. Hey, can we just, can we, honestly, can we just give God a clap offering right now? Can you give him, give him glory? Yes, Lord, we love you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Such a sweet time of worship. Um, well, if you're new to Everlast, my name is Kev. I'm the young adult pastor here. And uh, let me just say, we're truly glad that you're here. And please do us a favor after the night ends, go out into the foyer um, at our Life Center and our Everlast leaders and volunteers will, uh, will we, just, we have a gift for you just to simply say thank you uh, for coming. So uh, yeah, please do that. We would love to meet you back there and, and as well as we want to get you that gift just to say thanks. Um, so with that being said, Last week, we started our brand new series, uh, Parables. And to reiterate, we're going to dive right in. So get ready. Get your notes, get your notepads, get your note app or whatever you got. By the way, last week, remember I kind of sounded like Kermit the Frog was going through puberty or something. And that was weird. Anyways, uh, so my voice is back. So thank you for those who have been praying for my voice to come back. Yeah, amen. Uh, Praise God. Uh, A parable, check this out. Uh, Let's just define parable again. A parable can be defined as an illustrative story um, that helps paint a picture to give deeper understanding. I think it's on the screen for you. A parable is an illustrative story that helps paint a picture to give deeper understanding. Uh, The word parable um, comes from the Greek word parabole. In the Greek, para means beside. Bole means cast or throw. Um, so parable in, in, uh, in a very basic sense means to cast beside. Um, Jesus was an artist, y'all, in telling, uh, telling of his parables. He cast beside, y'all, amazing, amazing comparisons to help reveal to, uh, to people what's going on behind the curtain. Um, he painted vivid uh, word pictures to rather dramatize his teachings. Jesus told his parables in such a way that they were easy to visualize, thus easy to remember. Last week we began our series talking about the parable of the persistent widow. If you didn't get a chance to listen, that's okay. It's on our Everlast podcast. You can check it out there. Uh, but we talked about the parable of the persistent widow where Jesus taught on how not to give up or to lose heart. Persistently crying, praying, crying out under our circumstance to the one God who is over our circumstance. Amen. Tonight we continue our series by talking about what is arguably one of Jesus' most famous and well-known parables. We're going to be talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. So with that being said, please grab your Bibles or your Bible apps and, uh, and turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. It will not be on the screen. So listen, we encourage you, bring your Bibles to Everlast on Tuesday nights. Bring them. If you don't have a Bible, we've got Bibles in the back corners by the doors, and they are free. You can take one on the way out. And if you don't have one, you can call that yours. That's another gift we would love for you to have. So yeah, grab your Bibles. It's not on the screen, so follow along with me. We've got quite a few verses to read. Here we go. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. It says this, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He, Jesus, said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he, the lawyer, answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart 
and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your, and your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, and he, Jesus, said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Verse 29, but he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going by that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But... A Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set on him, I'm sorry, then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the next day he took out two denarii. And gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. Verse 36. Jesus says, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? He, the lawyer, said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go. And do likewise. Let's pray again together, Everlast, as we continue in worshiping Jesus through his word. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your continued grace and compassion towards us. I pray that as we continue in worshiping you through your word, that you would help us to see and, and, and understand um, that love and compassion all the more clearly as well as we reflect the love and compassion to others. Lord, help us, Lord, to understand this parable for what you meant it to be. Help us to be receptive tonight and to listen with a humble heart. And now, Everlast, I love to do this. Uh, I'd encourage you to pray for your own heart and ask God to speak to you. Just take the next few moments, say, pray this, say, God, speak to me tonight. And now uh, I'd encourage you to pray for those on your left and right. Pray for them. We love to pray for each other here at Everlast. Pray God speak to them tonight. And now I would kindly ask that you would uh, please pray for me, that God would use me um, to make things clear and, and helpful. Father, please speak to us now. We give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Everlast, most of you know my story, but for those that don't, um, when I was a young little dude, I was about eight years old, uh, my mom um, passed away of, of breast cancer. 
Um, she had a very aggressive form of cancer, and she passed, and she was at the young age, age of 35. Um, my mom loved Jesus, y'all, had such an awesome relationship with him. Um, and because of God's grace and her faith in him, after she breathed her last breath here on earth, she rather took her first breath in glory. Hallelujah. Soon after she passed, or transitioned rather to be with the Lord, I, I too trusted Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Well, my dad, a.k.a. Pop, call him Pop, now became a single parent of two, my sister and I. And let me just tell you, y'all, my Pop did a phenomenal job. A phenomenal job. I mean, I'm truly, truly blessed to have him as my father. He was such... Um, such a, an, an awesome ultimate reflection of the strength, love, and affection of my heavenly father to me. Now, growing up with a single dad, y'all, it had its perks for sure. Had its perks. I remember many nights where we were just, you know, just dudes batching it in our underwear, just eating pizza, you know, just being dudes. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, my mom, when she was here on earth, she wouldn't let me watch The Simpsons. And then when she passed... My dad let me watch The Simpsons. Um, you know, I always, I always, I could just always, I feel like my dad's really going to get it when he gets to heaven one day. He's going to get it. Uh, Y'all, it was amazing to be raised by my pop. He's awesome. But out of all the times, my dad nailed it in being a single dad. Now, there were a couple memories that when I look back and I see that he kind of, let's just say, dropped the ball in his decision making. Uh, this is obviously something all parents do. Uh, uh, but for the story's sake, allow me to explain. Growing up, I loved riding bikes. Any bike riders in the room? Whoop, whoop for bike riders. All right, amen. There was one time when I was riding a bike with some of my neighborhood friends, and we, we made what we believed to be the best ramp ever to jump off of with our bikes. Um, I mean, y'all, the ingenuity of this ramp was impeccable impeccable. Check it out. We took a big piece of plywood that we randomly found in this field, uh, and we stacked up some extra bricks that my friend had in his backyard. We then laid the plywood on top of said stacked bricks, and, you know, it sounds really sturdy, right? Um, I think you know where this is going. Uh, we st stacking almost, <clears throat> excuse me, stacking almost 10 bricks, uh, our awesomely engineered ramp uh, was pretty high, and we were certain that we were going to get some extreme air with it, man. Yeah, this was it. Placing the ramp at the bottom of, of a paved concrete hill, might I add, I volunteered first as tribute. Um, the odds were not in my favor, if you know that video. Movie, video, movie. I pedaled as fast as I could down the hill. Wind blowing in my face. I'm, I'm listen, I, I'm, my heart's pumping. I'm cranking the pedals as hard as I can. And right before, right before I got to the ramp, my foot pushes down really fast and hard. Something went wrong. Those moments, like millisecond, your thoughts, like, you know, life flashes, all that moment. Because I proceeded to fly over the handlebars. I was currently getting air, but not the kind of air that I wanted to get. Uh, I finally land on the soft concrete uh, on my left side, like on my left elbow. Um, yeah. It hurt really bad, like really bad. You see, what had happened was the chain fell off. Has that ever happened to you? 
the chain fell off, which led me to flying off. Uh, why tell you the story? Well, I, I went home to my, my pop with my arm very much so, y'all just drenched in blood. Elbow sliced open. I can show you. Can you see that bad boy right there? You see it? Yeah. Uh, find me tonight. Thick, thick scar tissue. Thick. Uh, let me tell you, after having years later um, go through EMT school, I can tell you right now that my arm was in desperate need of attention, care, and uh, quite frankly, hospital visit to get some stitches on this bad boy. Um, so is this what my dad did? Nope. He literally put a Band-Aid on it. He, so, like, that's it. That's all he did. Like I mentioned, my dad was, y'all, and is freaking awesome. Trust me. But, but what he honestly should have done was, yeah, take me to the hospital, get some stitches, and get me actually genuinely patched up, you know, tended to, healed up. Now, does this story, uh, uh, so yeah, you can come check out my lovely scar later. Does this story specifically um, address everything in the parable we're talking about tonight? No, it, it does not. But because, listen, in this parable, y'all, there is a lot. There's a lot. But this silly little story, as I was thinking, does address the moments where we do the wrong thing when we should probably be doing the right thing. And Pop, if you're listening to this podcast, I love you, and I'm thankful for you and for my scar. And it reminds me of how truly awesome you are, but also how much of a butt you are. Um, <laughs> Okay, so uh, before we dive more completely into the parable, let me, I want to provide for you just a little bit of more background about, not the parable, but actually about the gospel of Luke. Listen close. What you have to understand everlasting about the gospels is, that is, the gospels is the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? What, what you have to understand is that each gospel was written by a different person, written to a different group of people uh, for a different specific purpose, now, there's all sorts of information about Jesus' life. So much, y'all. Um, there were events about his teachings, his, his uh, sermons, healings, his miracles, parables, etc. All this stuff about Jesus. So under the influence and the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, each gospel writer took the information that they needed to share with the particular audience that they were trying to speak to that Jesus Christ was indeed Lord. Here's the thing, though. <clears throat> Check it out. Luke was the only Gentile or rather non-Jewish writer of Scripture. He wrote, he wrote his gospel, and on multiple occasions, um, he specifically highlights Jesus' love for uh, groups of people who were mostly considered outcasts. Y'all, this is so cool. This is seriously so cool. That's the reason why when you look at the gospel of Luke, you'll see all the stories that are not found in any other gospel, but they are found in the gospel of Luke. Here's some examples. The story of the prostitute in Luke chapter 7. Um, the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter uh, 15. Um, uh, Jesus healing the ten lepers, or when I was a kid, leopards. Uh, you know, the ten lepers in Luke 17. Um, the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, in Luke 19. So again, Everlast, all of these stories are only recorded in the, in the Gospel of Luke, and we see that, that, that you know, they specifically highlight Jesus' love for these groups. The, the misfits, the outcasts, letting us know that Jesus didn't just come for the highly religious Jews. No. 
Jesus came for the down and out. Can someone testify and say amen? Jesus came for the least of these. Jesus came for the sinners. Jesus came for the people that made a mess of their lives. People who made poor decisions. People who were lowly and who were hurt. Now to reiterate, when it comes to parables, Jesus was giving illustrative stories to help paint it, you know, and give a deeper picture, right, and understanding. But there was normally, think about, think about this, there was normally something that ultimately motivated Jesus to tell these parables in the first place. Check it out. Our parable tonight is actually precipitated by and in answer to a question posed to Jesus by a lawyer. In this case, the lawyer would have been an expert in the, uh, in the Mosaic law. It's important to understand this. Not like a court lawyer of today. This lawyer, y'all, is a religious figure. Um, he was an expert, a, a seminary teacher, per se. He was someone who knew better than anybody what someone had to do to in, in, inherit eternal life. Um, he spent his entire day and night studying and, 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 and learning and trying to live out what God requires of us. So let's look back at our text. If you've got your text open, check it out. The lawyer's question was this in Luke chapter 10, 25. He said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? The text says that the scribe or lawyer has put the question, posed this question to put Jesus to the test. So this dude's loaded question <laughs> was most likely from a place thinking that Jesus, he was most likely thinking that Jesus would respond with something like this. Well, well, all you have to do is believe in me, and then you'll inherit eternal life. At which point, this lawyer, this dude, would have, you know, planned to spring the trap on him and, and, and to bash Jesus over the head with the Ten Commandments and, you know, and point out 25 ways a Sunday on how the law and Moses, you know, validated what he said and not what Jesus said, which, of course, was not going to work. <laughs> Jesus' response, y'all, is amazing. As you can see, Jesus answers the lawyer's question with a question, which is just genius. Um, he, he, Jesus, said to him, check it out, Luke 20, uh, chapter 10, 26, and he, Jesus, said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So by referring to the law, Jesus is directing the man to an authority that actually they both would accept as truth, the Old Testament. In essence, he is asking the lawyer, what does scripture say about this? And how do you, how do you interpret it? At which point, this dude, y'all, this lawyer, <laughs> keep calling him dude. This dude, he, he's probably thinking, well, well, wait, Jesus, hold on. That, that's not fair. You, you can't you can't, you can't use Moses. Moses, Moses was, was, was my star witness, you know? Like, so, so basically, he had this dude on the ropes, and, and, and he was like, uh, I'm not prepared for that, you know? Um, so Jesus thus avoids, I love this, Jesus thus avoids an argument and puts himself in the position of evaluating the lawyer's answer instead of the lawyer in, uh, evaluating his answer. It's amazing. This actually directs the discussion towards Jesus' intended lesson, which we will expound on here in a bit. The lawyer actually answers Jesus 
he answers his question in, uh, in verse 27. Ch- check it out. Verse 27. This lawyer, he, he quoted actually Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and also Leviticus um, chapter 19, verse 18. The lawyer in verse 27 says this. Check it out. And he, the lawyer, answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and, and your neighbor as yourself. So in verse 28, Jesus affirms the lawyer's answer. It's correct. Check it out, 28. And he, Jesus, said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. So, Everlast, Jesus' reply tells the lawyer that he has given what is actually called, um, Jesus actually, it's it's called an orthodox or um, a rather scripturally proper answer. That's what the lawyer had given. But then goes on, Jesus, and tells him that this kind of love requires This kind of love requires more than an emotional feeling. It would also include what is called an orthodox practice. Meaning, he, the lawyer, would need to, a common phrase we know, he would need to practice what he preached, right? Now the lawyer, y'all, he was an educated dude, smart dude, right? He realized that he could not possibly keep this law. He had this little, you could tell he's just having this tug of war going down in his mind, from what we get in the scripture, nor would he, y'all check it out, he, he couldn't possibly keep the law, nor would he have necessarily even wanted to. There would always be people in his life that he could not love. The lawyer then asked uh, the question in verse 29. Let's keep going, keep following along. Verse 29, he says, who is my neighbor? So as you can see, everlast, check it out. This is important. Hear me. The lawyer tries to limit the law's command by limiting its parameters. Let me explain. Y'all, it's crazy. The very thing he, the lawyer, used to answer Jesus' question with, he contorts to try and justify himself and place himself in the right. The lawyer wasn't genuinely asking, who is my neighbor? But rather, he was asking, who isn't my neighbor? You see, the lawyer had parameters, or rather limitations, with his love. Jesus then responds with the parable of the Good Samaritan. By the way, let me just say this. When you're reading the Gospels, if Jesus asks you a question or tells you a story, you're in big trouble. (laughs) It's like being in a room with a bunch of elementary school kids, and then one of the kids questions the teacher, and all the other kids say, ooh, you're in trouble. I mean, that's universally true, right? Uh, So if Jesus starts telling you a story, it's just like, buckle up, buckle up. Also, listen, when Jesus asks a question, it's not like he, y'all need to know this, it's not like he's missing some things in the gap. No. (laughs) Jesus is not like, ugh, I have no idea how to answer your question. So can you help me? No, no, y'all, that, that never happens. That's not our Lord. So if Jesus is asking a question, it's actually a rhetorical device. If he's telling you a story, listen, Everlast, he's about to do some surgery, right? And so this lawyer dude is in a lot of trouble. Uh, good trouble, my dad. Uh, let's reread the story. Keep reading with me, right? 
I want to go back to our text. Verse 30. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever, you, whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So we see, Everlast, in this story, a dude who Jesus says was walking down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Which, by the way, you'll notice often in Scripture, I don't know if you've noticed this often in Scripture, it says, like, down from Jerusalem. Have you, you've read that. It's, that happens often. It happens often in Scripture. And there's reason for this because Jerusalem literally is high up. My wife and I got to go to Israel uh, a year and a half ago, give or take, something like that. And we literally took a bus and, you know, up to Jerusalem when we drove there. It's like higher in elevation. A person, listen, a person walking from Jerusalem to Jericho would be going down in elevation. And actually, he was actually living, uh, leaving um, a semi-dry area for a totally barren and parched one. That's what Jericho was. So semi-dry to just like kind of desolate. The trip, check this out, it's pretty cool, I learned this. The trip between Jerusalem and Jericho would have been about 18 miles, 18 miles. And in that distance... Um, travelers, whoever would travel that, would actually descend down like uh, a half a mile in elevation. So it's, you know, kind of like the incline. Have you ever done the incline? Go up in elevation and you, you die. Um, the majority of those 18 miles, check this out, y'all. The majority of those 18 miles would be in like desert-like conditions. As you can see, I think we have a photo. Do we have a photo? It's like that. Like literally. Picture of it. That's it. Check it out. You can kind of leave it there if you don't mind for, for a moment. This road, y'all, was actually a very dangerous road. And most would have never, I'm sorry, would have taken another route. They would have never taken that route. They would have taken another route. Route or route, whoever, however you say that word. And actually, when Jesus got to this part of the story, those, y'all, listen, those who were listening to his parable, to the story, understood what he was saying. Meaning, the people who were listening most likely thought, oh, well, I hope he wasn't on that road. Hopefully he wasn't alone. Hopefully he wasn't unarmed. Man, I hope it wasn't that too late of night. That would have been awful. Because again, y'all, this road was known for being dangerous. It was known for being a place where you would literally get mugged. And Jesus said, not only was this man mugged and robbed, but they beat him and leave him ha left him half dead. I, I shared a few moments ago in EMT school, I eventually went to paramedic school, and I actually, um, I was around, I, I was, I've seen this kind, of, I don't know if you've ever seen that, it's, it's a very twisted thing. I did compressions on a shotgun victim once, he was, it was a gang member, it was a gang shooting, and like half dead, like it's, 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 it's twisted, it's dark, it's messed up, and that's what happened to this dude. It's exactly what happened with him. As we just read, Jesus said that, check it out, we're going to keep going, Jesus said that both a priest and a Levite passed this man by. So that's basically saying, like a pastor of a church and a worship leader of a church didn't do anything to help him out. Didn't do anything. As a matter of fact, um, it being the road that it was, you kind of saw that picture, but they didn't just pass, pass him by, but most likely they, they just stepped over him. 
so incredibly messed up and wrong. Now, check it out. Both the Levite and the priest, y'all, they were God's hands and feet. And when it came to benevolence and, and, and helping people, they, their literal profession was to help people. <laughs> so if you think about it, you know, this, this, uh, this beaten, bloodied up, half-dead Jewish man's best shot, his best shot, just he's, he's dying, man, his best shot at getting help. I mean, no one more likely to help him than these two dudes who were by both nationality and profession obligated to help him. Did not help him at all. They completely and utterly disregarded him. Then the story goes, as we continue, and Jesus says in verse 33, keep going with me. He says, but a Samaritan, pause. Right then and there, I guarantee you that the lawyer, when he heard that, when he heard but a Samaritan come out of Jesus' lips, he was squirming in his seat. Why? Well, Jesus, being the excellent storyteller he is, and being God, knowing where the lawyer is at, understood that deep, deep-seated bitterness and animosity between the Jews and the, were, were, was between the Jews and Samaritans that the, that the lawyer ultimately had in, in his heart. The Jews, y'all, the Jews hated, hated the Samaritans. And the Samaritans hated the Jews. There was intense, intense rivalry. I don't have the time to go completely into this tonight, but, but there was, you know, there was a, an intense, we are better than you going on. Long before there was, long before there was, y'all, there was a big split off. Like the Samaritans said, you were supposed to worship this way. And the Jews said, you were supposed to worship that way. And they, y'all, they really hated each other. And this, this man going down, the Samaritan, it would have been, for everyone hearing this story, it would have been like this. Oh my gosh, a, a Samaritan? Like he was, do, he was there? It's difficult to, y'all, it's difficult to help you understand just how much the Jews and Samaritans disliked each other. Um, even y'all, even Jesus' own disciples, his own disciples didn't like the Samaritans. They were always confused, if you notice in scripture, because Jesus would go to Samaria he would minister to people, and he would stay there. In John 4, one of our awesome leaders, uh, Everlast leaders uh, tonight mentioned um, uh, the woman at the well. Taylor, she was talking about it tonight in our leader Devo. In, in John 4, Jesus met this woman at the well in Samaria, right? And, and defying, y'all, Jesus defied cultural bigotry as well as um, uh, um, um, you know, gender stereotypes and, and sexism and pre prejudices and racism. Um, end of the day, Jesus would just minister to people, love people, and didn't care where they were from. Didn't care where they're from. Of course, y'all, because he's building up his church from every tribe, every tongue, every language, and every nation. Amen. So the Jews, the disciples, were Always, they were agitated by this. An awesome example is literally, y'all, literally just one chapter prior to the one we're in tonight. In Luke chapter 9, you can go there if you're, you just scroll over or scroll what he had to uh, swipe over, whatever, to Luke 9. Jesus sent the disciples to go to Samaria and to get a place ready for him to stay. 
He wanted to stay there on his way to Jerusalem. He just simply asked his disciples to go, hey, y'all, he said, dudes, go get me a place to stay in Samaria. Help me out. When the disciples got there, no one would rent them out a place. So when they came, they came back to Jesus and they said, hey, Jesus, we, we couldn't get any spots. No caters, man. There's no food. Nothing's available. Everything's taken. They wouldn't take our money. No one would rent their room out to us. They just don't want us in Samaria. And here's, here's what they literally told Jesus in response to them not getting something or a place to stay in Samaria by the Samaritans. By the way, what's about to be said in response to all of that was by James and John. Not just the disciples, but like two out of the top three of the disciples of them all, right? James and John said this. Luke chapter 9, verse, 40, uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 54. They said, Lord, do, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? It then says Jesus turned toward them and rebuked them. Y'all, this is just hilarious to me. Imagine Jesus hearing them say that. Uh, Jesus, that you, Jesus, man, they won't let us in a room. Do you want to just to torture them all? What is it called, an F, F-16? Just, you know, get some angels down here, burn them all up. We'll do it. We'll do it, Jesus. Just ask us. We'll do it. Like, Jesus is like, actually, no, no, nope. I don't want you to do that at all. <laughs> uh, because the Son of Man did not come to take life, but to give life. So all of this, I just took kind of like a little, you know, rabbit trail to, to help share with you that, you know, you should, you should definitely have more of a, a better picture, or not, uh, yeah, a better picture of the divide between Jews and Samaritans. Huge. This is what makes what the Samaritan did in the parable so powerful and profound. Continuing, continuing on in, in, in our text, right? Uh, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came up to where he was, and he saw him, had compassion. And what did he do? You know, he bound up his wounds, took care of him, you know, took him to the inn, put him on his own animal, and, and all the things, and all that stuff. And Jesus, you know, asked, you know, the, 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 uh, the lawyer, he said, which one of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor? And who fell among robbers? And then the lawyer said, well, the, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go do likewise, right? Real quick, as you can see in, in the final verse, verse 33, what does the lawyer say? We just read it, but I kind of skimmed through it quickly. Uh, but listen, look at verse 33. The lawyer had so much animosity and hatred towards the Samaritans that his response to Jesus' question wasn't him, you know, he didn't say, he didn't answer the Samaritan man. What did he say? But he rather said, well, the one who showed him mercy. He didn't even want to say who the man was. So Everlast, with all that being said, I'm going to end tonight with three very quick things that I believe Jesus wanted not only the lawyer to live out, but for us tonight, today, to live out. What Jesus tells us in the, uh, that, what Jesus tells us rather, what the good Samaritan had was this. Perception, passion, and purpose. Perception, passion, and purpose. Let's quickly dive into each of these. First, perception. Listen, the definition, I just looked up like Merriam-Webster uh, Dictionary. 
defines perception as the ability to understand or notice something easily. So with true perception uh, comes notice and understanding. When the priest and the Levite, quote-unquote, saw the half-dead Jewish man, they simply looked, or rather <laughs> glanced, stepped over, and didn't actually see him. Meaning they didn't value him. When the Samaritan saw, he didn't just see, but he perceived. He truly was perceptive to what was happening and the needs of this man without even having been asked for help. If you notice, the man didn't say, dude, I'm dying, help. He just, he just attended to him, helped him. Y'all, there was one time I, uh, um, uh, uh, about a, gosh, probably two and a half years ago, excuse me. And two and a half years ago, I was at a family dollar store. Any family dollar store fans? Yeah. Yeah, I'm all about, listen, I'm all about the deal. <laughs> all about it. They can ask Tina. Uh, love to pinch a penny and turn it to a nickel. Um, I went to, I was at the family dollar store, and I was uh, just shopping, and you know, I forget what I was getting. And uh, I just noticed, I, I noticed this mom, uh, uh, what seemed to be mom, um, uh, shopping with a cart, like doing her genuine shopping, just getting everything, you know, her goods. And, you know, I think she had some, like, detergent in there and stuff like that, and and I just felt, I just felt a stirring, I felt a prompting, that's another way to put it, to go up to her, say hello, and to pray for her. And so in those moments, it's always like, oh, you know, the nerves, how, how it happens, like, oh, am I, I going to approach? Am I going to scare her off? I don't know. So I'm always just praying on the way, and the Holy Spirit's going to help, and he helps me. And I went up to her and, and just said, hey, kind of like I was kind of, we were talking about, I don't know, what we were shopping for or something. And then I just said, I just told her, I said, hey, I, uh, I, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. And, uh, um, you know, I believe that by God's grace and through my faith that I'm saved. He, he, he loved me. He, he paid the penalty for my sins. And, and so all that to say, I pray to Jesus, and I, I really felt like he prompted me to come pray for you. Is there anything I can pray for you for? Because I know the God of the universe. And she starts to weep. And, uh, um, and so she starts telling me that her son's walking through all this, this specific cancer, and I just get to pray for her right there. And then I remember in my, in my butt pocket, random turn of uh, story, I remember in my wallet, I just remember, and I'm serious, like, so, like, the months earlier, my wife's grandpa, so my grandpa, he's my grandpa, uh, we call him Grand Grand, uh, he, oh, he always gives us uh, a $100 bill. He gave each, like, grandkid a $100 bill, and I had the $100 bill in my pocket. And I, just, I had it for months. I just, you know, we use cards so much these days. So I, didn't, I just, and, I, and then I just remembered, and I was, it was folded up in my wallet. And I just said, hey, I just, I, I just want to also bless you with this. And I just kind of grabbed her hand, put it in her hand. I said, God bless you. And, and I went about, you know, my way. And so did she. Invited her to church, gave her like a CWC card. It's it a cool moment. And so listen, if I wasn't perceptive in that moment, I'm not, this isn't, no, no, don't, don't at all hear this is, Kev, no, 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 this isn't boasting in me. Heck no. <laughs> but as a follower of Christ, I want to be perceptive, truly perceptive to his people. People that are created in his image. Y'all, we are called to value people, no matter where or what walk they come from.
I believe that God is challenging us and me specifically to get our minds off of our own situations and to open our eyes to the people around us everlasting, who God has allowed us to not just see, but to have uh, the, the, the true perception to actually even meet their needs and to point them to Christ. Second thing, passion. With this parable, y'all, it is as clear as day that true perception is connected to true passion. Um, the Samaritan didn't at all mind being inconvenienced and at great cost, might I add, to him personally. He took great time, effort, and even finances to help this man. What's crazy is that, like, we've, like what we've learned tonight, the half-dead Jewish man, this half-dead Jewish man might have not even stopped for the Samaritan man. If the Samaritan man was half dead, if the roles were reversed. But check it out. This, this is what shows the, the passion behind the, the Samaritan's perception of the man. And lastly, purpose. The Samaritan, y'all, doesn't just tend to his wounds on the sidewalk and say, hey, peace out, dude. Good luck to you later, bro. Like, no, he, 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 like, he actually has a purpose for him, the purpose for his welfare. The y'all, the passion led to purposefully handling all the details so this man, uh, you know, could properly be healed up and to ultimately live and have life to the, to the fullest. Can y'all can y'all can y'all see a parallel here tonight? Listen, listen so closely. Such good news. Jesus does not just glance at us, y'all. He doesn't step over us. He doesn't forget about us, leaving us to die. Jesus sees past all our sin and offense towards him. Not hating us with the passion, but rather loving us with one. Purposefully, at great cost, laid his life completely down so that we could live. In 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul wrote, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus, I'm sorry, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the foremost. Everlast, we have, y'all, men, we have to put to death prejudices that get in the way of passion. Man, what an opportunity we have as a young adult ministry, right? Are, are you willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of loving others? Sharing and exemplifying the good news of Jesus? I jokingly shared earlier that my pop did the wrong thing, and he should have done the right thing, and got me stitches. <laughs> but he definitely still had much passion for me, right? He's my dad. But the lawyer who asked the questions to Jesus and the priest and the Levite in the parable were dudes who didn't have any perception, any passion, or purpose. They were all in it for themselves. Um, yesterday, as y'all know, we celebrated the life and remembered the life of Martin Luther King Jr. Um, he was assassinated one day after giving his famous um, mountaintop speech. I don't know if you're familiar with that famous speech. In referring to the parable of the Good Samaritan, Martin Luther King Jr. said this in his speech. He said, the question that the priest and Levite asked was this. If I stop to help this man, 
what will happen to me? But when the good Samaritan came by, he reversed the question. He asked, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? That's the question before us. Because it is not, if I stop to help this man in need, what will happen to me? The question is, if I do not stop to help those who are in need, what will happen to them? That's the question. Gosh, man, that just stirs me up like crazy. Hallelujah. May we be a young adult ministry here at Calvary Worship Center, Everlast, that goes and does the likewise, like Jesus instructs, the par- instructs in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Amen? That we would reflect the perception, the passion, and the purpose of Jesus for his glory and for the betterment of others. Amen? Let's pray together.